welcome to the Wednesday Night War Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture. Michael Hampler having a deserved day off to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review the Wednesday Night War, and if you want to know our thoughts ahead of NXT, that is available as a podcast right now. We also review Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. We have interviews roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick, look ahead to Dynamite. St. Paddy's Day Slam! <laughs> <laughs> um, and let's start with the headline news. The unsanctioned lights out women's main event. I've seen you getting excited about this on social media all week. I mean, I got excited like you did just seeing the sodding poster for this. Um how are you feeling about Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa? I'm hearing, I heard from Andy Murray this morning, rumblings about this being really something special. Indeed, yes. The problem with over-promoting, of which AEW's really been quite guilty of in its young history, is that it only takes one over-promise to kind of temper expectations for everything that follows. So every time... There are strategic leaks of you're not going to want to miss this match. It's going to be really quite phenomenal. You think, great, but they said something similar about John Moxley and Jake Hager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said that about Moxley versus Hager because at the earliest onset of this pandemic, um, when no one could be arsed with pro wrestling because it was this weird emulation, I'd rather like the AEW shows, but... Numbers-wise, I'm kind of in the minority. Like, not only were the ratings dipping, but as a result of those ratings dipping and the uncertainty, um, a lot of the advertisers um, like pulled their rates, and I think the ad revenue dropped for Dynamite for quite some time. So I think Moxley versus Hager, which will always haunt them, mm-hmm. um, was basically a desperate, desperate bit to uh, make it better than it was. Subsequent to that, however they are very selective about all of these taped matches. So just to drive that point home, this match has already happened. Mm-hmm. People know how good it is, um, hence why you've seen various people, um, Chris Harrington, Eva Luno, I think Ricky Starks, have all said, like, this is going to be ballistic. Do not miss it. Like, it's going to be this incredible match. Um, so I can believe them, but at the same time, the Mox Hager thing will always haunt it. Um, but this one's in the can and I'm trying to think of other examples to equalize um, the, the overhype for Mox and Hager. The last two occasions I can remember them saying, we've got an absolute banger in the can. We want to brag, brag about said banger. It was um, a parking lot brawl um, between yep. Santana and best friends. There was a lot of talk of like, holy hell, you're not prepared for how great this actually is. And Dax Harwood versus Jungle Boy. That yeah, was also... Yeah, I remember the Jungle Boy um, A lot of people were saying, like, this is genuinely four and a half star level good. You're going to want to watch it. So for me, I'll believe the hype. And I didn't necessarily need it to think this is going to be good. One of the things I love about this match, and there are several which I'll get into, is that it doesn't feel like this WWE style, right, okay, well, we've run this program... Um, might as well do a step because that's just how these things go. It feels organic. 
for a few that's been underdeveloped in my opinion in terms of why exactly these women hate one another um it's been quite superficially driven which i've not exactly been the biggest fan of um i would like to have seen more promos to build it and more tv time because i think a lot of the the beats we've seen have been quite repetitive and realistically big as one of the best talkers in a in a promotion just abound with great great talkers and yet every brief moment they've been given the time to develop this and brawl the the sheer explosive physical chemistry without even factoring plunder into play is being genuinely gripping and genuinely organic and genuinely electric to the point where i'm thinking and i really like the match at beach break but this could be and should be even better I buy into the fact that there's a real thread of animosity here, even though it's worked, and it's more impressive if it's worked. Um, I'm fully expecting a match that will shock people and how violent it is. And call me a ghoul, call me whatever. I hope this embodies the sort of parity that people have been crying out for in a way that makes them uncomfortable, in a way that they weren't necessarily prepared for. Like, I want to see double juice. I want to see a lot of blood. I want to see some really, like, quite nasty looking, obviously not in reality, nasty looking head drops, the likes of which you don't notice that really they've just landed it perfectly on the on the upper back at the last second. Mm. Um, I want to see a disturbing, ultra-violent war worthy of the lights out stipulation. And God knows they need to really deliver <laughs> a, a worthy stipulation match in the wake of revolution. I want people, I basically want to be a dick at the end of this match, I want people to go, it's a bit violent, isn't it? It's like you wouldn't say that for a men's match. Mm-hmm. Isn't it parity that you wanted? Like I want people to be woefully unprepared for just how much parity is going to realise itself in the guts of this match. Um, the stipulation itself doubles as something great because not only do you get a worthy organic payoff to a feud that's been laced with animosity, but you can get the babyface winning in the end in a way that doesn't derail Britt Baker's momentum. She can always say it didn't count. And I realize it's a get out, but I'd rather have a great match and a get out than just a match. Um, I expect Thunder Rosa to win. I think it's a nice cap off to the story. When you look at it from a traditional goody versus body perspective, I think if you look at all the dickheaded things Baker's done, like scrubbing off the face paint, um, just being cruel and nasty to her. I feel like Thunder Rosa winning this match is a really nice means of getting a stipulation over and having the cake and eating it with said stipulation. I expect this to be nasty. I expect this to be elegantly constructed because both Baker and Thunder Rosa are great and Kenny Omega has a big hand to play in terms of agenting these matches and he can help them... Um, utilize their own creativity with a collaboration process um if i wanted anyone agenting like this really unhinged plunder match it would be kenny omega so basically expect something great yeah i i think one of the major issues people still have with aw not for me personally i think it's still a bit it's it's a it's a stretch nowadays is yeah aw is great with a women's division's trash Clearly, that has Same that shape. should have that should have shifted off the back, particularly off the back of this tournament. Um, but certainly, with the I just think in the, the entirety of the way they've they've 
handled it in, in 2021, I think is has recognised that fact and built on what they already had with Deeb and Rosa and Britt Baker, etc. This seems to be a nice uh, way to, to rubber stamp uh, the, uh, the end of those criticisms. Is that fair? I would say so. There's still work to be done. Um, I haven't run the stats on this, but I would be astonished if this was not the first Dynamite to ever feature two women's matches. And that's not really great, is it? Um, I understand that because of the various complexions of the North American indie scene, which have obviously informed AEW, that there's a damn good reason why there's been more men's matches than women's matches on a program that is competing head-to-head with the WWE monolith. Like, I completely understand. Um, but it's put up a shut-up time. Every single good faith rebuttal to the fact that, oh, I don't have more women's matches on the show. Like, that will fail to hold water as an excuse. Because if you look at the sheer depth and, in fact, range of this women's division now, you've got Riho, you've got Thunder Rosa, you've got Britt Baker, you've got Sheedy, you've got Nyla Rose, who's in great form. Um, hopefully, Mizunami's around to stay for a little bit longer. Like Jade Cargill, who's on the show, and we'll talk about like she impressed big time in her debut. Like they, they are racking up the depth. Layla Hirsch, who's just been signed and has mm. been very impressive. Basically, this is put up a shot of a time. I think they're going to shut people up, but at the same time, this has to act as the start of something and not just, all right, well, a token main event for the women, and then we'll just gradually minimize them further in that penultimate quarter hour um this is t- this is time now this is time am i right in thinking i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but am i right in thinking that dark elevation had a lot of women's matches which does seem to suggest that a shift in uh the way that they are presenting this it did it did and they're crucial because there's a lot of female talent signed to aw's roster that have got quite a good presence um they can do their own kind of match really quite well. But at the same time, they're not on that level of a deep Rosa Baker and having a second developmental show in effect can only very quietly build up um, their work. So they're giving them the reps. They are exhausting their crew in an attempt to give them the platform. Mm. So maybe it will be a bit slower than I just forecast then, but the moves are being made, and he really can't deny that at this point. Mm, yeah, it's a mouth-watering match to, to, to headline tonight's show. Well-deserved for the for the likes of Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, in my opinion. But so many great matches to look forward to tonight. We'll get to Penta versus Cody Rhodes in a second. Before that, uh, let's talk about Moxley and Kingston. Is this the, the night they potentially get some revenge for Revolution off the back of the brawl of last week? This is incredibly interesting. First of all, I love this. Um, there is a case to be made, particularly when you watch that Casino Battle Royale, that there was more depth than range showcased. Um, I love what is known as the AEW in-house tag style. I don't feel like it's dominant at all. I mean, just look at FTR and how great they've been this year. Um, But this, nonetheless, is going to be a more... It's hard not to think of Jim Ross words Mm. when you're talking about and forecasting this match, like hellacious, maybe bowling shoe ugly like i want this to be a brawl 
It can't really be laden with high spots because look at the guys involved. Like, it's like the idea of Eddie Kingston getting patronised by the gigantic Doc Gallows and then just raining down forearms in his face and a wave of defiance. <laughs> like this is going to be dripping in like almost cartoonish masculine energy, and I kind of can't wait to see it. Not only do I think it'll be a really hot brawl, um, creatively worked, and the Good Brothers have loved them in AEW. I think they've been really up for it. Um, I said on Twitter, glibly, but at the same time, not really, that I kind of want the tag team titles to be retired in Moxley and Kingston's honour mm. because the chemistry was just so wonderful as a, as a buddy cop sort of dynamic. I really want to see them work as a team because if they can work half as well as they interact, then God damn it, they've got an amazing tag team on their hands. But it's interesting because Revolution, I know the paternity leave hangs over everything but even if that wasn't the case the idea surely if moxley was getting blown up was that he was going to get written off for at least a month irrespective yeah. of what he's got going on in his real life um so i'm wondering now if this is going to act as a second write-off how do they do it like this is loaded with intrigue because i've got no idea what they're going to do with john moxley yeah like you say I, you know i pitched it as as then we're getting physical with the Good Brothers and, and maybe emerging victorious and, and Omega being stared down by two men. Well, one, one man who chinned him last one man who chinned him last week and one man who's been to war with him on numerous occasions. But like you say, this could just be a make good for for, for Moxley's write-off, an intriguing, intriguing prospect. Well, they're being taped. Um, there's various means by which they can write them off. They can do some kind of crazed stunt. The fact that it's not live means they can account for the risks and mm-hmm. they can pre-tape it and they can rehearse it. With this being taped, you might get the moxie right off without going into the match expecting it. Mm. Uh, but in terms of a match, yeah, I think this would be a very different flavour to a, a usual AEW tag team match. I mentioned Cody Rhodes versus Penta El Zero Miedo, which goes down tonight. I really enjoyed the preview that's up at AEW's website of building this one up. Uh, and uh, I love that that promo from Penta. And I want to give uh, a quick nod as well to, I'm going to butcher his name here. I think it's Alex Abrahantes, uh, who was the the uh, translator for Penta, which re- I think he was great at putting across that message in the right way, rather than just sort of, not that he would have done this, but monotone, explaining what but he really got the the emphasis in Penta's quite brutal threats if I'm perfectly honest I think uh, this is a genuine contender for match of the night across both shows Cody versus Penta how do you see it going I hope it's wrestled in the spirit in which it was built like Cody should be going for his throat mm-hmm. yeah, you don't talk about another man's kids particularly when they're not even out. Um, <laughs> I expect like a kind of a brawling heavy firecracker that will obviously it's Penta. He's really great at doing a a version of Lucha that we've not really seen in the United States. Like because it's so it's a word I'm looking for here. The presentation of Lucha Libre in the United States of America usually leans on how spectacular and um dive based it is but there's a really nasty undercurrent like it's a it's a genre with as much range as most of american pro wrestling and puro but you just don't really get to see it because the idea is our perception of it and it's the one that's the most marketable and the most exciting is 
insane dives and balletic grace. But there's a really nasty undercurrent of a lot of lucha, and I really hope we get a glimpse of that, um, particularly because, one, the storyline demands it, and two, like, Penta, and it's so shocking. Like, he's going, he can do some absolutely spectacular stuff in there, mm. but at the end of the day, he's always going to draw comparisons to his brother, <laughs> and that's shocking. So if he further leans into the fact that he's, like, the badass lucha practitioner who can do some spectacular stuff, but in a way that just looks more oh, wincing and painful um, than spectacular and mind-blowing. think this they've married his particular interpretation of the wrestling art with this storyline. And yeah, I'm with you. I think this is going to be way better than people expect. Not a man you want to go into a match against with a hurty shoulder, Benner, with that, no, oh, that all- arm-breaker spot. It's all perfect. Um, so me and Hamlet were talking across the virtual desks about this, how it acts as a potential write-off um, for Cody Rhodes, who himself has got, I don't want to say it like this, but he's got paternity leave staring him down in the face. And that's just a personal subjective experience of how terrifying those first couple of months are. Um, they can have pen to write him off, but there's also Scorpio. Me and, fan- me and Hamford fantasy put this together because we are nerds who rave about all of this beyond um, the medium of a podcast <laughs> in which he gets stretched out or maybe that's a bit too OTT. He could get carried out by um, the medical staff. And Ethan Page can tear apart the ligaments in kayfabe. Oh of an already like totally battered shoulder because if nothing else, and there's loads of other things you can do, of course, Cody Rhodes is exceptional at building his matches and building his long-term programs. Ethan Page can be the guy who wrote out Cody Rhodes and he can brag about this most weeks. There's a really interesting dynamic between Page and Cody Rhodes where they've worked it so well that you can't tell if Cody Rhodes is legitimately apprehensive about signing him mm-hmm. and doesn't really like him on a personal level whatsoever, but respects him enough to work a program. So if they can fold that into Dynamite's canon by way of this, then I think that's the perfect write-off. I think that's a great shout, yeah, uh, after a spectacular match with Penta. I'm really excited about uh, all ego Ethan Page and, uh, you know, People have complained about his introduction and what have you. And then obviously he had the, the, the te- technical issues with the audio and stuff last week. I think this would be a great way. I'd love that booking as a way to sort of really launch him for, for maybe casual fans who are unaware of his working like impact or whatever, or just people who are a bit unsure of him. Yeah, taking Cody Rhodes out of action and just, just piggybacking off the back of that, then stealing his entrance. He's the only man that then can come down through Cody's entranceway as a constant reminder of, yeah, the guy who used to do this, I took off TV. It's a great shout. A great shout. MJF's done it once and it was amazing. But yeah, that should be used as a vehicle to like get massive heat on Cody Rhodes. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal 
personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com wrestling. Rocketmoney.com wrestling. Now let's talk about Christian Cage. Um, mixed opinions, emotions regarding his uh, arrival in AEW. Of course, he uh, had an, an incident, let's say, with Kenny Omega last week uh, when he was meant to well, have something to say. What will he have to say tonight, Michael Sidgwick? Um, if you want my in-depth thoughts on this, you can go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from um, for an in-depth <laughs> chat on the future of Christian Cage in AEW. Um, so for those who've listened, I won't repeat myself too much here. For those who haven't listened, do it after this podcast. <laughs> We're in lockdown. What else are you going to do, realistically? Yeah. So I won't go on too much, but I will say that there's an immediate dissonance between Christian holding the title belt and Christian wearing a T-shirt saying, outwork everyone. That dissonance being, you haven't done literally any work yet. <laughs> and you're putting in mind the idea that you want that title. I would love him to come out tonight and say, in a good, humble, baby-faced way, in much the same way Cody Rhodes did in 2016, mm-hmm. where he endeared himself to people by saying, look, I'm not going to be the big shot coming into your town um, and coasting on my WWE fame. Like, I want to learn how to work new styles. I want to work new opponents. I just want to grind and prove myself worthy of your support. Um, I want Christian Cage to come out and say, look, it was Kenny Omega who interrupted me. I had no designs whatsoever on that title because I know how prestigious, prestigious it is. I know how hard much hard work goes into it. I was just going to issue a challenge to anyone who thinks they could be a singles contender because I'm right there with them. Um, it's kind of earnest babyface stuff, but I think it'll be informed by the gravitas of Christian Cage's entire career. I would like him to say, yes, Kenny, you pissed me off and one day down the line, I would like to see you, but I'm going to have to, this isn't just a t-shirt. I'm going to have to outwork everyone. So I want to issue a challenge for next week. That can get interrupted. It's a wrestling trope. That's a bit groan inducing, but it is what it is. And I would like the man to interrupt him to be Ricky Stark. Oh, yes. This match would be incredible. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of things we've, we've already spoken about, uh, MJF, his new stable in the Inner Circle, we did an entire podcast on this yesterday, which is well worth checking out, sort of planning out the future for uh, MJF's new horseman stable. But uh, tonight, how do you see it playing out? I expect a very good promo to explain MJF's motivations. And what I like them to do in terms of how to block it, I would like this to echo... Chris Jericho's own promo on the second ever Dynamite where he explained the inner circle. He put over every member in it and talked about why he specifically wanted those people in it, what dynamic they could bring to this group that's going to overtake AEW, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like if you look at how the whole me and my shadow thing, how they've mirrored each other since November 2019, MJF and Chris Jericho. I think that would be a wonderful riff on the very theme of this saga of a storyline to block the promo in almost precisely the exact same way and have MJF cut five minutes. Mm. 
Maybe MJF can say, oh, the MJF joining the inner circle, it was um, a horrible idea from Terrible Creative. <laughs> just yeah. one that gave me that horrible idea because he needed MJF to stay relevant. Like A nice little riff on um, what he said. But if they don't do any of those things, that's just me fan casting like a nerd. I want to see it added dimension to MJF's mic work. Mm. Uh, he's been playing broader comedy fabulously. He's the smartest guy in the room now. He's the vicious guy who's just taken out the inner circle, various weapon shots and a deranged bump taken by Jericho. Time for a little bit more sadism on the part of Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Yeah, just the down the lens at the end of Chris Jericho and the entire inner circle. We're better than you, and you know it. I mean, you, that's that. That should be the message in the entire promo, in my opinion. Sort of not to tread on your toes too much of what you talked about on yesterday's pod, but you were implying about all the potential matches. That what was it you called it? Like a big bang of storyline, like a big bang of storytelling. Yeah, it's an eruption that so just, just creates so much. You just have him say, "Why would I take over a stable with Jake Hager in it when I've got Wardlow? Why would I team up with?" Santana and Ortiz, the you know idiots I had to pretend to be friends with when I've got FTR who genuinely you know share the same ideals as me. Even set up you know Guevara versus Sean Spears or whatever you want, and then obviously like you say that eventual. Uh, I mean, it couldn't be more different the match that they're going to have than compared to the one they had on pay per view before Jericho and MJF. I'm oh I'm watering at the mouth of the potential of this promo. The moment he walks out with that with that mic in his hand i'm going to be very very excited uh, let's talk through some of the other matches advertised for tonight you mentioned earlier jade cargill a straightforward squash this to follow on from her brilliant victory and and well sensational performance alongside Shaq a few weeks ago yeah it'll be promotional malpractice to elongate this any further than it needs to be she, she doesn't need to sell there will come a time when she needs to sell and go the distance with someone but the reason that gets over is by carefully preserving just how impactful her act is by killing some poor jobber in like two minutes flat. And if you can get over in those squashes, and there's an art to them. Like I've seen some boring squashes and I've some of my favorite matches ever are squashes. Mm-hmm. I've got a feeling just the way AEW's handled squash matches before, like this is going to be great, even if it is just two minutes. And I would like to see them occur quite frequently. Because the idea is when you eventually get someone deemed worthy enough to challenge her, it'll, every time a comeback is made, right, it'll feel like, Jesus Christ, she's good because she mm-hmm. can take it on to the limit. Um, so, yeah, we're going to need some functory functional squash matches, which can in themselves be electric. Um, so I don't want anything more than that. I'm very excited about it. I'm not saying it should happen tonight, but... The, the physical, the, the mental image I have of, of Jade Cargill versus Layla Hirsch is, is very exciting, but that obviously should not happen tonight because it could be... No, no, that's the one where you wouldn't expect Hirsch yeah. to have such a challenge, but you're so strong. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome prospect, that. Uh, Ray Phoenix, half one of our favourites here at What Culture. He takes on Angelico tonight. Just another bloody showcase, this, isn't it? Indeed, it's weird. Um, it's quite strange, this. I suspect because AEW Dynamite is very episodic, sometimes functionally so, this could build to Park and Ray Phoenix versus TH2 mm-hmm. as a tag match the following week, um, which just further builds 
Pack and Phoenix ahead of the Bucks mm-hmm. and gives you two good matches in the meantime. Like this again is the reason why I love this promotion. Just the range is incredible. This is going to be thrilling, undiluted. And I talk about that range of lucha, which is sort of lost on a lot of American audiences because they have been given a very specific genre of it. Like we've seen from Angelico's own interpretation of the art that he can really make Phoenix struggle for those comebacks and enrich them and make them seem more dazzling than they are because they're being mounted from like a position where he's been selling for a long time. Uh, this could be quietly fantastic. And I think quietly is the word here. Hmm. Um, maybe it'll go into a match with TH2. Maybe it's just Tony Khan, much like all of us, just loves Ray Phoenix and want to put some <laughs> on as many dynamites as possible. In a way, I hope we don't get Phoenix and Pack versus TH2 because my... And again, it's just selfish fantasy booking. <laughs> I want them to do the best possible version of the thing that WWE does all the time. And that's have Matt Jackson versus Phoenix, Pac versus Nick Jackson, and then do the tag. Exactly. So this TH2 element might intrude on that, but I can't really complain. But yeah. I do want to see Pac versus Nick Jackson. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And all I'll say is this. This is obviously a tape show, as we mentioned earlier. So back-to-back, potentially people getting getting tired at ringside. Stay on your sodding toes if you're on the front, front row because Ray Phoenix is going to be landing in your lap, let's yeah. be honest. Um, a match that I sent, probably Andy Murray's looking forward to more than everything else on this show to talk about next. Bear Country will team with Jurassic Express to take on Matt Hardy, Private Party, and his two new clients, The Butcher and The Blade. What do you reckon? I'm going to be the low guy on this, you know. It's a 10-man tag which in theory should promise or deliver like some really nice character moments, like beefy showdowns, like shoulder barges and, you know, people not budging, highlighted by uh, Jungle Boy doing amazing Jungle Boy things. But at the same time, I feel like I've been a bit generous in previewing a lot of these types of matches, only to be disappointed when they kind of fall apart or don't build particularly well, or just develop this kind of shindy quality that mm-hmm. like lowers itself to the worst possible version of the dynamic offered. I'm not that hyped for this. I'm almost a bit worried. And um, the level of experience in there is sort of all over the shop. Yes, I want to see Bear Country and Butcher and the Blade do some like proper posturing macho stuff. And I feel like this match, if it's lives up to its potential could be like quietly excellent but at the same time i can't shake the idea i'm going to see some shindy stuff that's gonna make me cringe a bit yeah i I can see where you're coming from with that i think it's going to be a nice you know you compare it to moxley and kingston and the good brothers and cody and penner and obviously their lights out match i think it's going to be a nice bit of light to go along with the shade or however you want to describe it i I think it's going to be good fun this and again the the sadist in me wants to see Marco Stunt try and do something with the Butcher and, well, you can fill in the rest of those. Oh, that cross-body block. Yes. Oh, yes, please. Um, one final thing I want to talk about before we wrap up here, Sige, uh, is, is you know, you know, AW won the Wednesday Night War again last week. NXT didn't even crack 700,000 with, what, three title matches? Granted, one of them was just sort of hastily booked on the show, but still a world title match between Balor and Cole, not, not knocking on the door of 700,000 is concerning, but we'll talk about that at another time. I want to talk about AW, obviously a 
major drop. They'll be disappointed with that, not just off the back of the the Shaq show the previous week, but this is a you know it was a post pay per view show, and only always it's depending on who you're asking. Only seven hundred forty three thousand in terms of the rating. Should AW and AW fans be concerned? Um, I kind of wasn't because I just think that if you it's hard not to be impulsive week to week. But if you take a step back, view the whole picture, look at all the patterns, as much as NXT has kind of definitively settled into this suboptimal groove where they just can't draw worth a damn unless they've got Halloween Havoc attached to the, to the name. If you look at the history of these Wednesday Night Wars, Whenever they've presented a big time NXT title match, and in theory, Balor versus Cole is big time, they've won mm. overall viewership. Um, so I expected it to be a close run battle. I really did. So I understand that, yes, 200,000 overall is a steep drop off. Yeah, expect more because of the quality of the go home and the controversy of the pay per view itself converging to create, if nothing else, this fascinating thing. But I personally wouldn't be worried. We've seen these inexplicable seeming drop-offs before and thought, oh, God, that's not a good number. Then the next week they get a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you look at the broad patterns from a distance, it'll take a few more of these ratings for me or AEW to get worried. Because ultimately, if these things continue to happen, what will happen is that there'll be a reaction and they'll hopefully fast forward through this frigging Miro thing, or they'll hopefully realize, you know what, Matt Hardy, God, I bear, we, don't even, we don't mean to bury him. He's grafting his arse off, but it's just <laughs> solid and admirable in a way that just doesn't feel like the exhilaration of the best of AEW. Um, maybe they'll start to answer some of these increasingly pressing questions about certain parts of the product. So if the ratings go down, it's not necessarily the worst thing. And to be honest, I don't think they will much longer. Now, do you think that last week's rating was casual fans not coming? I, mean, I don't know why they wouldn't want to come back. I genuinely think that was one of the best dynamites I've ever seen, the one with, with Shaq on that we, we witnessed before the pay-per-view. Do you think it was them not returning after being sort of drawn in by Shaq? Do you think it was, you know, a, a sort of protest or a reaction to what happened at Revolution? Or do you think it was a, a combination of the two? It's weird to get in the headspace of these like floating voters, if you like, because mm. I'm a nerd who does it for a living who would probably watch it until it became definitively crap <laughs> and if I wasn't getting paid for it. Maybe it was a convergence of NXT title matches. Um, like These floating guys are more discerning, ultimately, than the base. Like That's why they are sometimes like happy to leave it for a week. Maybe they were so upset by the finish that they thought, well, I'm not watching this. It's crap. That's a stark reality. It was a disaster. The stark mm. reality of the revolution finish is that it was a disaster. And if you were watching it casually and were like put off with this kind of thing without quite trusting the process enough to be a hardcore knowing realistically that they always usually get it really good and really right. Maybe you're thinking well, that was a disaster. I'm not watching that anymore. And then you have to wait for the sort of the stink of that disaster to dissipate and then go, all right, okay. Oh, apparently it's better again now. I'll watch it. Maybe it's just as simple as that. It's just baffling to me. And I know I'm I'm usually the optimist when it comes to ratings for both shows. 
But off the back of that Shaq show, I thought, well, they'll maintain or, you know, they'll not maintain, but they'll retain a lot of the, the, the casuals that came in because, yeah, of course you want to see that. And then I thought, yeah, even if people are angry, it was intrigue. I wanted to know how they were going to handle it. It wasn't just like, well, that's off forever now. It clearly it wasn't an intentional thing. And, you know, maybe they did overpromote Christie and Cage and, and allow that to get away from them. But nevertheless... I was shocked by that rain, but I, I think they'll bounce back this week, which leads us on uh, to our predictions for the Wednesday Night War ratings. Uh, Hamflet winning last week's predictions purely because, yet again, he was the one most negative when it comes to NXT. And yeah, he was 9,000 off getting it bang on uh, with his 700,000 prediction. Uh, the ratings of last week, just to remind you, AEW 743,000, NXT 691,000. Before we get to Hamlet's predictions, which I believe uh, he's let you know about, Sige, uh, your thoughts for this week's? Oh, I think it'll be a trouncing-like. Um, the NXT card's unappealing on paper, and the mere fact that they didn't get a strong rating when they did a a sub takeover in effect, at least two takeover worthy matches on a free TV show. I think that's going to be a sharp decline. And I think the novelty slash genuine prospect of the women's main event, the power of that gimmick match, um, the fact that a lot of the big hitters are working the show and Mox and Cody um, and Phoenix, who's proven himself a draw. Like I think this will be a big comeback for AEW. I think eight, six, eight. We'll play five nine five. I like the specifics of that. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, with the way they think this is going to play out, I don't think NXT will drop below six hundred. But I also do not see them doing well. Uh, and we'll talk more about it on the NXT podcast, but the the rumours and the the reports of, of further COVID outbreaks sort of ripping up that entire show. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about on the NXT preview in terms of, well, here's the stuff that they've advertised. Will it actually happen sort of thing? Uh, I think that's not going to help matters. And if people tune in, I generally think they could see a shift over the two hours because people know what to expect. If you come towards the end of the first hour of NXT and they've effectively told you, yeah, you're not going to see Balor or Cross or who knows. I'm just I'm just throwing out names. We don't know, obviously, the ins and outs of this uh, latest outbreak in NXT. And you know, on the other side, uh, maybe you haven't had the Cody match yet. Maybe you haven't had the appearance of Christine Cage yet. And of course, you've got the lights out match to look forward to at the end of the show. I think there will be a, a big swing, in my opinion. I will go uh, six two five for NXT. I don't know why I've done that that way around. AEW fans just probably had a hard six two five. Uh, no, six two five for NXT plays. What did we get last week? I'll say eight two five. A nice, easy calculation there. Um, Hamflet. Obviously not here today. He will be back tomorrow for the reviews of both shows. Has he been in touch? Yeah, two seconds. Um, let's get my WhatsApp up here. <laughs> he said, wait there, where is it? There. Uh, I have to scroll a bit. He sends us the same message every day, so I have to scroll. Okay. See, I don't think AEW has been very good this year. 
I don't think AEW's been very good this year. <laughs> I don't think it. So, so you send us like loads of these messages. Um, so I have to scroll through them to get to the bottom. Here we go. Here we go. Um, he said that AEW is going to get 999,000. Wow. 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 I mean, Jesus Christ. I know he's been trying to get AEW Women Should Headline as a thing, but for quite some time, and he's really back on his own horse there. And NXT, he's simply <laughs> said 402,000. Jesus Christ. Wow. Half a million difference between the two shows. That is a man losing confidence in his brand and uh, willing the uh, move to Tuesdays into existence, I reckon. But let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's Wednesday Night War. Let us know your thoughts ahead of St. Paddy's Day Slam and whatever they do on NXT on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick, I love your hamlet. I'm sorry. I repeat myself more than you do on these bloody podcasts anyway. You can follow Michael Hampler at Michael Hampler. Follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, where you can hear the NXT preview right now. And you'll be able to get the reviews of both shows tomorrow there as well. But this has been the Wednesday Night Wall preview of AEW Dynamite. My thanks to Michael Sidwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. <laughs>